Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Lynn Cowell. Lynn is joining me to talk about how a little vessel goes a long way, because this season we are correlating each episode of the podcast with my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. So if, you not, if you've not yet purchased your copy of this devotional, it would be a great time to do so so that you can follow along each week as we go in deeper into each devotion. And if you have purchased it, um, thank you so much for doing that. I hope that you're enjoying it, and I hope that you are enjoying uh, each of these podcast episodes that, that just bring even more depth to those topics. So today is about a little vessel, and we're going to be talking about, of course, in my devotional, the widow's oil, which is found in 2 Kings 4. And then in Lynn's Bible study, we're going to be talking about Esther. You know, though she lived centuries ago, Esther speaks to us when we run into limited control and resources. We find in her a strength and fortitude that you and I need today, a strength we discover as we follow her process of listen, feel, do, and speak. So join us today to discover what God can do with a little vessel who is willing and obedient for Him. Well, hello, Lynn, and welcome back to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you again for the second time. Thank you. Um, We're building this long distance friendship and I love it. (laughs) We absolutely are. So uh, for those that are maybe just joining us and maybe didn't um, follow along with the the Love Offering podcast, you were actually on season one. And then last year you came to my hometown to speak at the called conference. And so um, I'm just so thankful for, um, and I think that we originally met even at She Speaks years and years ago before that. And so how God brings people into our lives just to um, bless and encourage us. You have certainly been that for me. So I'd love for you just to fill us in on what's been going on with you since we last had you on the podcast in 2019. Well, you know, the crazy thing is, is that the called conference, that was my very last speaking event before the pandemic hit. Um, So I have very fond memories of that. But while all my speaking stopped, um, you know, many of the troubles in our world increased. And during that time, um, my really good friend, who's also an author and a speaker, Amy Carroll, she was learning this process from God. And she called the process, listen, feel, do, speak. And she really thought that this was like an Amy process. And so she was telling me about it and how God was working this out in her life. And so then one day I'm reading my Bible and, uh, you know, I was doing the Bible through the year, um, chronological Bible. And I came to the book of Esther and I started seeing this process in the life of Esther. And I'm like, Amy, this isn't an Amy process. This is a God process. Mm. Um, And so um, Amy and I, um, at the same time, we had been writing a book proposal together that had gotten a bazillion rejections. And I don't know if you've been through that, Rachel, but, um, you know, uh okay, (laughs) so you're familiar with the pain of rejection. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we were just kind of a little bit dejected about, okay, well, you know, what do we do next? And um, HarperCollins Christian came to me and asked me if I was interested in writing another Bible study for the inscribed series. And so you know, that's when the connection came between Esther, this process and a Bible study. And so, you know, it's just another one of those stories where rejection really was from God and he did have a plan. And um, so, yeah, so that's literally what I've been doing for the last two years is studying the life of Esther. Well, you know, so you mentioned your co-author, Amy Carroll, and so she was also on the podcast in season one, which is just another indication of, you know, just how God 
just orders our steps in so many ways, even when we don't realize it. And so, as you mentioned, this new Bible study is on Esther. So for those that maybe aren't familiar with Esther's story or, cause I know you said you just were kind of reading in your chronological Bible. And I'm actually, it's funny, even um, Lynn, I'm, I mean, Ezra and Nehemiah, like I've kind of been reading through too. And so I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to Esther after our conversation. <laughs> Um, and so I know we'll get there, but just to kind of refresh our memories, would you just give us um, a little bit more detail on her story? Okay, well, I'm going to be honest, and I've never been a big fan of the book of Esther. Oh, um, really? so <laughs> I know, and you're not supposed to admit these things on podcasts, I know, <laughs> but um, if you know me or you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm not a, a girly girl. I'm like most comfortable in a pair of hiking boots stomping around the woods somewhere. And Esther, um, to me, she, her story had been betrayed as a book about a beauty contest and a romance. Like think the movie One Night with a King. I mean, like there's even a VeggieTales on it. And none of that resonated with me. Um, but then as I began rereading this biblical book, I began to look through it through the, um, through the, the lens of uncertainty that we have all been experiencing. And, and it clicked with me about how this wasn't just a book about a naive girl trying to impress a lustful king, but instead I saw her as a wise woman who understood the uncertainty of the times that she was living in. And she understood and stepped up to the challenge of the assignment that God had for her in the middle of her community's uncertainty. Okay, so the subtitle of your study, it says, it, it reads this, it says, seeing our invisible God in an uncertain world. And I can't remember exactly when I learned this about the book of Esther, but it, it the, the name of God is, he's never mentioned in the entire book. And mm -hmm. so, but yet we can see his fingerprints throughout it. And I think that this is so hard for us in our own lives when we can't necessarily see God either. He seems very invisible in many ways and intangible. And so what do we do? And this is what you kind of, you guys look at and explore in your book. What do we do when God seems to have vanished? We know he hasn't, I guess, but it some, sometimes seems that way in our own story. So what do we do? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe to some, it seems like a lack of faith to admit that we actually struggle with doubt sometimes. Um, and yet when we can't actively see God at work, that's exactly what tries to sweep in is doubt. And the more that I've dug into the story of Esther, the more um, that I've begun to understand just how often the characters in the story are referring back to their Jewish history with the conversations that they're having with one another. Um, over the last few months, I've really begun digging into Jewish tradition and it, and it makes our reading of the Bible so much richer for those of us who aren't Jewish and don't have that, that history. Mm -hmm. So Esther as a child, she would have learned the historical stories and she would have heard of the faithfulness of God played out over and over again. And so I just wonder if, if Esther could have looked at her own story when she was taken and, and the Hebrew word there for that word taken is a word that is used for prisoner. And, and I wonder if she compared her experience of being taken to the story of Joseph being taken to Egypt. And so God was with Joseph, God was with Esther. And so in my personal life, I have a similar practice when I feel overwhelmed and I wonder how God is going to bring good out of a situation that feels like too much. I will literally write out in my journal how God has been faithful to me in the past. And when I do that, it bolsters my faith for the situation that I find myself in right at that moment. 
you know, today's conversation is about how a little vessel can go a long way. And Esther was certainly a vessel that God used to save an entire people group. And what I love so much about her is that she was a young orphan girl who probably felt pretty inadequate, but we can look at how God used her. And so for the woman who may feel like an unlikely candidate for God to use like me, (laughs) how would you encourage her um, just to stay the course and rely on the Lord? You know, I think that there's a part of us that wants to overlook the story of Esther because it just feels too big. Like, you know, I can't even relate to that. Um, The chances of one of us saving our entire people group seems rather slim. Mm -hmm. And yet when we watch the news or read a news headline on our computer, we can see that our world is not short in areas where we need a miracle of God as well. Um, So one area that I volunteer in is coming alongside women who are coming out of incarceration. I volunteer with an organization called Changed Choices here in Charlotte. And when I first started, I was overwhelmed constantly, like the work, the pain, it just all felt too big. And then one quote that has really helped me to take small steps that can bring change is a quote by Pastor Andy Stanley. And he says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. And so I'm not capable of changing our entire judicial system, but I can come alongside one woman who's beginning a new life after prison walls and I can make a difference in her life. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I'm just thinking even about, you know, Mary, she was the mother of Jesus. She was an unlikely candidate. She was just a young girl with a willing heart. And that's Mm -hmm. what Esther really was too. And, you know, we always hear like, you're here for such a time as this, but that's the reality for all of us. Like we were all here and we can all make a difference right where we are. And then kind of going back to the devotional, a little goes a long way. And in the devotional that's um, titled a little vessel there, we talk about the widow who only had a few resources at her disposal. And Esther also had very little in the way of her resources. So both women had to act in faith and rely on God. So I'd love to hear, how does this speak to us now as modern women who also have limits to our control and our resources? I know that I can get so discouraged when I don't feel like I have enough to bring the change that I want to see in our world. But you and I can use what we do have. So one obvious way is financial generosity. But one not so obvious means is being socially generous. So where do you have connections that could help someone who doesn't have the connections that you have? Like in the life of Esther, you know, we don't see her giving financial resources directly to the Jews who are so vulnerable. But what we do see her give is her social resources. She generously uses her position on behalf of the people who are at high risk. And so you and I can ask the Holy Spirit to show us, what do I have? And how can I share what I do have with those who need what I have? You know, when you look at the life of Esther too, she, I mean, she could have died. I mean, that's the reality. Like she was putting her own life on the line for this people group. And you talk about being sacrificial and being selfless. And so she obviously had to battle a lot of of fear um, to save her, her own life as well as the Jews. So how do you suggest that we overcome the fear that we might, that might derail God's plan with the assurance that he's powerful enough to lead and transform or maybe refine us as well? 
It's funny that you bring up fear because just this morning in Esther four, um, I was rereading Esther some more. And I see that when Esther heard the news about this edict, the destruction of the Jews, it says that the queen was overcome with fear. And, you know, one of the things that I'm so thankful for as I read God's word is that he included in his word people who loved him and people who had flaws so that they were people who made, you know, messes up. They, they messed up. There's Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, and Esther. Um, in fact, many commentators I read believe that when Esther asked for a second day of killing um, toward the end of the book, that she was possibly seeking revenge at this point, or maybe even using manipulation to get from the king what she wanted. And so throughout this entire book, we don't know Esther's reasonings, her motives for several of the moves that she made, but we do know that God used her. And so we can trust him that as we lean into the directing of the Holy Spirit, that he will use us in spite of our shortcomings. One thing I keep telling myself is my peace is obedience. His is the outcome. And so we can confess to the Lord that even though our own motives might be mixed, we can trust him to refine us, to purify us, and, and to use us for his purposes. I'm just thinking, and I was just trying to Google it really quickly before you stopped. So you have a book titled Make the Move, don't you? Make a Move. Make your move. And that's what I was just thinking, because you just, I love just the cohesiveness of these <clears throat> messages as well. Um, and so we'll be sure to include that in the in the show notes as well. Uh, but so, okay, let's go back to, in the very beginning of the conversation, you kind of alluded to this process of listen, feel, do and speak. And I love how applicable this can be in, in our own lives. And so walk us through in Esther's life first, this process of how she did that. And then we're going to go step-by-step on how we can apply it to our own. Okay. So Esther was, um, sorry, listen was Esther's first step. So at the very beginning, Esther is taken into the palace, like we said, and, and she has no idea whether she'll live the rest of her life on a throne or in a harem corner. And so what does a gal do when she realizes that she doesn't know what she needs to know? She wisely chooses to listen to someone who does know what she needs to know. And so the scriptures tell us that she listened to Hege, the king's eunuch, um, and asked him and listened to him when he told her what to take before the king. And so in listening, she gains the wisdom that she needs for the move that she needs to make. So the second step comes from Mordecai, and that is to feel. So just as I was talking about um, earlier in Esther 4, it tells us that Mordecai, when he learned that, had, that of everything that had been done, which was the edict to destroy the Jews, it says that he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, he went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. Um, and so we see here in Mordecai that he felt he felt profoundly and strongly what was happening around him. And those feelings are what propelled him to go and have a conversation with Esther. And so I know lots of times in the church, you know, we've been taught, you know, don't listen to your feelings. Don't let your feelings boss you around. And while that is true, our feelings have a purpose. God gave them to us. And our feelings can be the catalyst for righteous action when we handle them the right way and we delve into that in the study more. 
Her next step then is the process of do. And I think sometimes when we're reading the Bible or we're listening to a sermon, it's really easy to get excited, like, you know, throw out an amen or two about doing something for God. But then something happens in between that emotion we feel and the actual execution of the idea. Um, it could be apathy. It could be fear. And yet James 2, 26 tells us that faith without works is dead. So Esther models what it looks like to have our feelings move us to positive action. And then last is speak. And, and that's the last step that Esther takes. And it's fascinating how she does it, because especially in the, in the time we live in where social media is such a loud voice, I think a lot of us want to flip this whole process around and we want to speak first or even feel like, well, I posted something. So I did something. Well, not really. You know, you just said something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and I, I only say that because I'm completely guilty of it. But so unlike most of us, Esther waits to speak so that she has the maximum impact. And then when she does speak up, she doesn't stop speaking until her job is finished. Um, and so we dig into all of those um, processes deeper in the Bible study of Esther. I'm just thinking, and I know I mentioned earlier how I'm like right in the middle of Ezra and Nehemiah and, you know, how they're coming back to rebuild the temple. And I'm just looking at their lives as you're talking and how they instituted this process too. Cool. I mean, and it really is. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I can see this through so many biblical models. And some of the ways they even listened was by first, like, fasting and really praying and being silent with the Lord. And so, um, and I, I really want to dive into this whole process so we can too apply it since we've seen it work in the lives of, of these biblical people that we follow. So let's start with the listening piece. So how do we listen to wise people in our lives in a way that fills our gaps of understanding? So I'll use me as, as an example. Um, when I began working with women who were coming out of incarceration, listen meant reading. And I began reading whatever I could find about the problem and how incarceration impacts women and their children in our country. But, you know, reading can only take you so far. And so my next step in listening was to spend time with those who were doing this work for a long time. As a newbie, I, I listened to their experience and the wisdom that they gained from investing in the lives of these women. And then next, and my most impactful step has been to listen to the women who are experiencing the pain, the women who have experienced incarceration. And as I listen to the pain that, that got them in prison, the, the pain that they experienced while incarcerated and the ongoing pain that they're um, experiencing building new lives, that built my understanding more. So, you know, my question to your listener is what is the unique usefulness that God's calling you to? Where's God nudging you to get involved in caring for those that he loves and begin that process by reaching out to those you can listen to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, first, obviously we need to listen to the Lord and be in tune with mm -hmm. his spirit, right. but then he's also given us people who can mentor us and, and be, you know, godly sources of wisdom as well. And so I love both, both pieces of that. And then next, and this is so fascinating because I, I, I think about so often we do think we need to just ignore our feelings. Um, and so this is, this is interesting. And I'm so glad that you are going to dive into this. So how do we embrace our feelings as a God-given catalyst for connection 
with him and, and, and listen, and it's okay to listen to our feelings. So yeah, dive into that. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, most of the times I don't want to feel <laughs> I'm wired. I know, I know. No, I'm instead. a getter. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a get or done kind of gal, you know, like I'm wired to be a doer. So whatever the situation is, I just want to write jump right to the doing part. Yeah, yeah. But you know what that produces in me? It produces in time hardness. Because when you and I don't take the time to feel, we miss the opportunity to know God's heart about things that are painful, things that are important to him, things that are a part of bringing his kingdom to earth. Um, it's important for us to feel because there are those he loves, all of us, he loves so much. And, and those he created in his very own image are hurting. And he wants to develop in you and I empathy and compassion. And so for someone like me who isn't naturally empathetic or compassionate, this is really, really needed. And entering into the feelings of others as well into the feelings of God, it develops in us character, character that we're going to need in order to move into do. It just is occurring to me. I wonder <coughs> if Jesus even followed this process in a lot of ways. You know, you think about him going to God, the father in prayer and in quiet and stillness. And, you know, even, even in some ways, Jesus, I mean, he wept, we know he felt empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and then he went and did the work and, and then obviously spoke, you know, I just, I, this is, this is so, um, such a, just an encouraging um, it makes me message so that I'm just seeing <laughs> everywhere now. And what I'm sure I will continue to see. So, okay, let's dive into the third step, which is the one that I usually I don't know, lean towards as well. The most is so go and do the work that God has assigned you to do. And so how do we do this work even when the doubt surrounds us? Well, you know, um, Rachel, when I wrote make your move, it caused me to take a hard look at doubt in my own life. And I'm not saying that this is true for everyone because we are all definitely wired differently. But for me, doubt as it pertains to doing good works for God, it sweeps in whenever I get really concerned about outcomes. Mm -hmm. When I get focused on what success looks like or the what if I fail scenario playing out in my head, that paralyzes me. And that's when doubt wins, when I focus on how will something turn out? But when I do the opposite, when I focus on simply obeying God and leaving the outcome to him, then I can make my work worship. And that's what matters is making our work worship. Our peace is obedience and then outcomes belong to God. Can you tell I have to keep preaching that to myself over and over? Well, and I'm so glad you are because that specifically hits home for the season of life. I have a, a new opportunity. Um, and I'm in, in the midst of making a decision whether to make the move or not. And so that encourages me, um, so much. I needed to hear that. Okay. So last is to speak up with confidence and, um, <laughs> you're right. I think we often use our, our mouths maybe too, too quickly. And so to leave this one for the last, maybe. <laughs> so how can we trust that God has a place for our voice in his story? And maybe there's other people listening. That's like, they just don't want to speak up at all. It feels safer there. So, um, anyway, oh, yeah. what would you have to say, um, about speaking with confidence? And I would fall under that one, Rachel. I tend to be a um, don't rock the boat kind of a gal. So if you ever see me being bold, um, I'm probably on the inside, like shaking and terrified. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
Um, you know, when we look at God's word and we see how he used all kinds of people to speak up in all kinds of ways, there, there are some that are really bold, like speaking to many people like Paul and Peter. And then there's others that he used to speak to just one, like think of Abigail and her conversation with David when he was on his way to destroy her home and her family. So again, our move is obedience. So like, say you find yourself in a conversation with your girlfriend where um, God is challenging you to share his perspective on something she's talking about. Or maybe you know someone in your community who is in need and you also know someone in your community who could meet that need. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to speak up. So we can ask the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to speak up and then use our voice for his purposes. Yeah, I think the key to that and in my mind is like speaking the truth in love, <laughs> you know, make sure that, that we have gone through the whole process of really listening to the Lord and speaking his words rather than just our own opinions or, or whatever. But, um, okay. So the last question that I'm actually asking all of my guests for this particular, um, series is, um, how have you seen God take a little vessel a long way? Meaning, you know, we, we are the vessels, you know, God is who fills us. And, and so I'd love to hear, um, your response to that. So um, again, when I began investing in the lives of women who've been incarcerated, I knew nothing about incarceration and, and I do mean nothing. And my first experience was not a positive one. And it would have been really easy for me to say, you know, see, this is not for me. But as I stayed in this spot of being uncomfortable, as well as obedient, I have seen the life of one woman positively impacted. And that's enough for me to just keep going. Yeah. And don't you love, I'm sure the impact of, because that woman's life was impacted by you, you know, I wonder don't how her life then has then gone to impact other ladies in, um, mm. that have been incarcerated. Just the, the, the overflow of that is just beautiful to think about. Okay. So Lynn, I, I know I want to stay connected with you and continue our friendship, um, but I'm sure listeners are going to want to as well. So tell us how we can best do that. Okay, so if you want to learn more about um, Esther seeing our invisible God in an uncertain world, um, that book page is estherbookstudy.com. And the way Amy describes it is she says, if a trade book and a Bible study had a baby, it would be Esther. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, I hang out most of the time on Instagram at lynncowell.com. And my website is lynncowell.com. And that's Cowell with a C. Sometimes I'm called Lynn Howell and Powell, but it's Lynn Cowell. <laughs> okay. Well, we will be sure to include all that in the show notes, but Lynn, thank you so much for being my guest again and for helping us to see our invisible God in an uncertain world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Lynn Cowell, and we hope that today helped you to realize that a little vessel can go a long way. If you are interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive the weekly love offering newsletter, and all of this information can go straight to your inbox. You can also find all of the previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series. You can buy some of the significant merch and you can download the free resources, including the book bundle that goes along with my 
a little goes a long way uh, devotional. There you can get the, the conversation guide, a guided journal, some of the recipes, the list tracker. So I would love to share that free resource with you. And again, that can be found at rachelkadams.com. If you have not yet reviewed A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life on your favorite retailer, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that just so more women can find this significant message. Next week, we're going to be continuing on with this theme. Uh, We're going to be doing the devotion, going deeper into the devotion about how a little invitation goes a long way. And my guest is Barb Hill. So I can't wait to meet with you and talk with you again then. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.